Welcome to the Ignite Your Inner Badass podcast. It's about confidence. It's about courage. It's about what lights you up. It's about igniting your inner badass. So welcome everyone to another episode of the Ignite Your Inner Badass podcast. I'm your host, Marta Kagan, and I am thrilled to have you with me today for a very special episode featuring a very special badass. Now, if you've listened to the show before, then you know that each week I focus on a specific topic. For example, confidence or obstacles or gratitude. And I try to share inspiring stories, some interesting little known facts, and most importantly, practical, actionable tips for igniting your inner badass in just 10 minutes a day. But in today's episode, we're going to hear the real story of a real badass overcoming the sort of real shit that anyone aspiring to live a joyful guilt-free, self-doubt-free life may have to face. So buckle up because we're about to go on a wild and wonderful ride. My guest today has trekked down from an island off the coast of Maine where she recently opened a store called Amelia that specializes in providing regular women like you and me with the royal treatment, the celebrity treatment, the kind of body positive, safe space, service oriented experience that is so hard to come by in today's world. And in the store, they sell pre-loved luxury goods, clean beauty and skincare products, gifts and other delights. But it's really all about the experience. And she's going to tell us more about that later. But before I introduce her, let me tell you a little bit more about her backstory. So, My special badass guest today, together with her sea captain husband, has sailed to Greece, the Caribbean, South America, the South Pacific. She's a self-described big dreamer who's always cooking up a grand scheme of some kind, in spite of the fact that she's also a hardcore introvert who loves lazy Sundays, complete with brunch and PJs and maybe a walk on the beach or a couple hours with the New York Times book review. And in spite of the fact that she's only 43 years old, she has done more, seen more, lived more, and reinvented herself more times than Madonna. Sorry, Madge. (laughs) And I'm really not exaggerating here. In fact, I'm going to share just a couple examples before I introduce her to you legit. So... She has a master's degree in creative writing. She's a certified yoga instructor. She's worked for a hedge fund. She's helped launch a five-star restaurant. She's been a literary assistant to a best-selling author and a private tutor for the children of one of Hollywood's most legendary filmmakers. If that doesn't blow your mind, let me just add this. She's also one of the kindest, most creative, most compassionate humans I've ever had the good fortune to spend time with. And I'm truly fortunate to call this remarkable woman my dear friend and to introduce her to you today with so much love. Please welcome the illimitable Amy Redfern to the show. That's an 
unbelievable introduction, and I certainly <laughs> hope that I live up to it. <laughs> well, it's all about, you know, badassery here, and so a true badass gets a truly badass intro. So <laughs> I have no doubt you'll live up to it. But the funny thing is, Aim, is that when I first told you I wanted you to be my first like real badass story guest on this show, you were, I think, a little bit shocked. Yes. Um, so I want you to talk about your reaction for a moment. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think that um, I just, I don't see myself that way. And, you know, maybe that's not uncommon for women to, um, or people in general, to not see themselves the way other people see them. But yeah, I was I was shocked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's totally typical is that, you know, we, we're kind of our own worst critics. And so it's much easier to see the things that we suck at <laughs> or the places yeah. where we kind of have flaws than, than to kind of look at yourself and say, yeah, I'm a badass because A, B, C, D. And I know you know that I talk a lot about our bitchy inner critics. Yes. It's like a big thing in the Ignite Your Inner Badass Club. So maybe we can start with you talking a little bit about, you know, what what is your bitchy inner critic say to you in spite of the fact that you've done all these things I just shared with everyone and you have this like amazing story what what does she do to torture you on a daily basis oh oh she's good yeah she's uh, <laughs> she's wily loser is the word that my inner critic just loves to use that's her like you know keyword to try to get me down um that's her go-to that's her go-to yeah, yeah. okay loser you're doing it wrong yeah <laughs> yes Talk a little bit about how you handle that. Like, how do you tell her to shut the fuck up? <laughs> to put it simply. <laughs> that is very succinct. <laughs> um, I-, I wish that I was better at telling her to shut the fuck up. The loser story is um, her favorite refrain. And it goes a lot like, you know, you listed off all these things that I've done. And, you know, at her worst, she really makes that all sound like some crazy string of uncommitted, you know, stupid things that, that like uh, that I've done that add up to nothing. I'm like, girl, I'm just trying to do whatever it takes to survive out here. And, um, and you know, she really makes me feel a little bit like I just, I've, I've got all these puzzle pieces, like jumbly puzzle pieces that don't add up to any kind of cool picture. So recently you had an experience where you were able to really kind of put her in her place, right? Talk to us a little bit about how that happened and, and what the experience was like as was like um, that helped you get her to shut the fuck up. Hmm. Well, it was actually, it was a really triumphant moment for me, what I think Oprah would call an aha moment. <laughs> um, but I flipped the script on her the other day and it was really the first time in my whole life that I've, that I've ever done that, like really immediately and effectively. I was upset about, you know, like we weren't able to pay our mortgage on time and I was mad about it and feeling terrible and uh, called a a dear friend of mine and I was like, I'm such a loser. (laughs) And then the second it came out of my mouth for the first time ever, I was like, nope, actually, no, I'm not a loser. I just started an amazing business. I'm really proud of myself. 
everything's going great. This is just like a little bit of a financial hiccup. And no, I'm not a loser. This is just like a, a this is a bad moment. Mm-hmm. We're in a, just a tricky moment. So I, I shut her down. So that I think that's such a powerful experience to have because to me, it sounds like, you know, you, you kind of you plugged into the awareness of it, right? Be- because yeah. I think that's what keeps so many of us stuck slaves to our bitchy inner critics Mm -hmm. is that we don't even recognize it's happening you know if you had a person if you had like if I said to you every time you called me and you were like I'm having a hard time with this this and I was like well it's because you're such a fucking loser (laughs) right you'd be like why do I call her anymore she's a terrible person but you do it to yourself and because it's been going on for a long time and I think we all start to do this at a fairly early age when we start to experience our first moments of shame um, loss whatever we don't even notice it so to have that moment of awareness and to kind of go no 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 you're telling me a story but that doesn't have to be my story that's a perspective and I'm not going to go with that yeah that's huge First of all, I want to say that I don't ever see you as a loser, just to be clear, okay? Um, you know, I see you as a, a passionate, in, inspiring, giving, kind, intelligent, creative, soulful human. Um, and I see you as a badass, which is which is why you're here. But I know your story, or I know at least, I know a lot of your story. I mean, we've known each other at least, oh gosh, at least like almost 20 years 20, now, yeah. which is kind of mind-blowing. Anyway... Um, so, so I see you in a totally different way, but part of that comes from the fact that I know, you know, what you've been through. And so I think it's important, if you don't mind, to share that with the listeners, because that will give, I think, context to why, why does your bitchy inner critic use that word? And why is resilience such a big word for, you know, the badass part of you? So do you mind sharing a little bit about, you know, the longer story of Amy? (laughs) All right. So I think I started out in life having a very lucky circumstance, and I I don't want to minimize what a privilege it was to grow up in a loving family, hmm. and I know that's a, that can be a rarity, and you know I think we have a lot of evidence of um, what a challenge it is to grow up in this world with two kind, loving parents in a stable safe place. Um, So I just want to start by saying I'm incredibly grateful for the foundation that I had. But I lost my dad suddenly um, at age eight. And that was a huge, terrible, tragic loss for our family. Yeah, I I can only imagine how... um... Yeah, how how adjusting to that, how having that experience of security and love and warmth and, you know, kind of you've described it as sort of this idyllic childhood ripped apart by that. But then you had another loss. Yeah. Just a little bit down the road before you were really even a grown up, so to speak. So yeah, keep keep I... telling us about your shit sandwiches. <laughs> um, my brother and sister are, are amazing and wonderful. And we're part of that childhood. They're 10 and 12 years older than I am. Um, same parents, but I was just a late, late 
welcome surprise. surprise. <laughs> I actually wasn't a surprise, which is kind of funny. I was the only planned baby, apparently. Oh, that's funny. Um, but my brother and sister were kind of off living their adult lives, and I was from eight to eighteen. I was a I was with my mother alone as a single mother, and she, you know, did her absolute level best to give me an amazing life. Um, and you know, we had the normal push pull of, of adolescent relationship, um, and, and parent relationship, but, um, she really tried so hard to, to make it all great for me. Um, and she was, she was, it was always very clear that she was my mother. She, but she became my best friend as well. And so, um, she became ill when I was about 15, but I was not, she was very private and I was not aware that she was dying and, um, she passed away just after I turned 18, just a couple months after I turned 18. So it goes without saying that that was a huge turning point or a huge, another huge loss for you. And, and you described her as both your mother, who was an awesome mother in many ways, and your best friend. Yeah. And here you are, a freshman in, yeah. college? freshman in college. Okay. And so you're essentially an orphan now. Yeah. Uh, you have siblings, but they're, you said, 10 and 12 years older than you. So they, they're kind of in their adult lives. So talk a little bit about how, how you navigated that moment and how how did you get through it because I think that's what we all want to know is like okay so how does the badass Amy (laughs) right like recover from that because that's that's huge yeah well I I absolutely spent the first like three weeks at least uh just in bed and sleeping and you know I think I wore the same pair of sweatpants and so did my sister for like several weeks um yeah we I just remember not like not eating and just sleeping a lot and I and I think that's actually an important note that like when we're going through grief we have to find ways to let ourselves be soft Mm -hmm. and 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 that's not always a luxury I was a I was on a break from college and so I I had the luxury of of lying in bed for three weeks. And that's not something everybody has when they experience a huge loss. You know, especially yeah. parents. If there's a loss, you have to kind of just like pick yourself up. You know, I mean, any adult has to kind of pick themselves up and, yeah. and keep going. I was still, you know, effectively a child. And so I had a chance to, to grieve a little bit. Um, but in whatever ways we can give ourselves the grace of a little bit of time to mm-hmm. feel our feelings that that was good um I also I, <laughs> I had just entered into a relationship um and I was lucky enough that the uh partner I had at the time was was extremely supportive and kind and gentle and and hung with me through that and you know Freshman college boys are not really known for, for being really nurturing, but this particular one was good and, um, and, and also had a really supportive family. So I would say, you know, between my brothers and my brother and sister and I and uh, my boyfriend, just kind of like I had some people there to kind of help shore me up and I was helping to shore them up as well, which also gives a strong sense of, of purpose when you can kind of be there for other people as well. I had 
this very strong drive to prove to the world that my parents had done a good job because mm-hmm. I, I loved and respected my parents and and felt that they had given me a good foundation. And I think that uh, like a, a big driver for me in trying to not just go completely into like the pit of despair was mm-hmm. <laughs> was this feeling that I wanted to honor my parents yeah. legacy I wanted to show the world that they had set us off in the right direction and yeah that was a huge motivator for me like finish my finishing my education mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. um right because yeah. you could have very well just like dropped out of school and been like well yeah. my mom died and my dad's gone and I feel like an orphan and yeah. Right. Yeah. Like a lot of people would do that. They would they would not come out of that pair of sweatpants you wore for three weeks <laughs> and they would just stay there. Talk about some of the things that you did by way of that. Well, I I was very, very lucky to be in an educational context where I had a lot of support. I went to Mount Holyoke College. So shout out to <laughs> Mount Holyoke. Uh, and I also was born very stubborn and I had a strong will and I think there was just a big part of me that just I wasn't going to let this crush me somehow. I just felt like I'm not going to let this get me. Hashtag badass. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think some of it wasn't even necessarily conscious. Mm -hmm. At Mount Holyoke, there's a wonderful grant given to people who've never traveled outside of the United States. It's called the Karen Snyder Sullivan Award. And I, man, like I, you asked me what some of my best qualities are. I persistence is like, you give me something, (laughs) I get hooked on it. I'm like a dog with a bone. I will not let it go. Whether it's like, hey, Amy, I'm looking for the right cashmere sweater or like, (laughs) you know, or the address to wear to this wedding or, you know, this, this grant to Australia. I just spent every waking moment trying to make this happen and I, I won and the grant did. and I, I went to Australia and New Zealand for five months I backpacked around by myself one of the pieces of the award is that you have to go alone so I cannot minimize how completely terrified I was of doing this but I was like an unstoppable force I wasn't gonna let the terror get to me but I was like uh, I could die on the plane Australia has the highest concentration of deadly natural phenomenon like <laughs> gosh if the sharks don't eat me then the little spider will kill me you know I mean it was yeah. terrifying I couldn't have gone anywhere in the world where I could have encountered more fears mm-hmm. um, And yet you went. And yet I went. And then I had this weird thing happen when I got there where I just, I decided to say yes to anything that came into my mind to do. And um, I went skydiving and I went scuba diving and I, you know, backpacked around these two countries by myself. And I mean, there were... There's a list of like a hundred things that I did that would make any parent cringe and a lot of things that I like did not tell my brother and sister at home. And I I have to like pause and apologize to my siblings because they had just lost both of their parents too. Right. And, <laughs> and here's like off. my 19 year old sister, like a year after my mother died, I was like off in Australia, like don't mention on the phone call that you're skydiving. They were just like, please live and come home. We can't handle anything else. But that, but that's that's such a remarkable thing to do. I mean, and as you're telling the story, I'm thinking about like 
you know, I'm trying to, I'm almost putting myself in your shoes and thinking about what it must be like to be 18, 19 years old. And, you know, your parents are gone. Like we were saying, you're sort of untethered. It changes maybe the way you think your future will be, Mm -hmm. I would imagine, right? Because we all picture like, oh, and then I'll get married and I'll have kids and there'll be grandparents, whatever we picture. Not everyone pictures that story, but you picture something. And then whenever you lose someone important, it changes the way you see the story inevitably. And, And your place, clearly you were coming from a place of like, um these things I'm not going to do. They're really scary. And then you, you're like, I'm alone. I'm going to do them alone. And I'm like, it's, it's totally badass. This is just as a reminder when you were like, why are you inviting me to be on this show? This is why, because you did that stuff. And I think it's important for anyone listening to this to take a moment and acknowledge that about themselves. Mm -hmm. Like what are the moments in your life where you were like terrified or you know, alone or feeling alone and you were still like, you still did something where you faced your fear. That's totally butt kicking cool. So I just wanted to just acknowledge that and point that out. I think the point you're making is really good. And I think people should stop and acknowledge those moments where they've really just overcome whether they meant to or not. I didn't, I wasn't like I set out like, I'm going to go and conquer all my fears, you know, and I just found myself in the situation where I thought, well, I'm already here. I might as well really go for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I also found this Eleanor Roosevelt quote that's probably, you know, was probably gone around the the internet quite a bit. But uh, you gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face. You must do the thing you think you cannot do. Mm -hmm. And that was like my mantra the whole time I was in Australia. And uh, I did a lot of things that I thought I couldn't do. I shot a gun. I ate kangaroo. I mean, I did a lot of really (laughs) weird things. Uh, It was just sort of like pierced my nose. You know, like I did things that I just thought, oh, I can't do that. I didn't get any tattoos, curiously. I think because my mother had said, please don't get tattoos and like, it wasn't, right. you know, like a dying wish or anything, but right, I just right, didn't. Right. I, you, you I, I don't, and, and I'm glad because I probably would have gotten something not great. Like a kangaroo with a gun. I know, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Your story continues. And it continues to have its like remarkable highs and it's how did you get over this lows? And yet here you are, here we are talking about this. And so I want to, I want to prompt you to share a little bit more about what you told me was your lowest moment. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Fast forward to um, me in 2010, married at that time. I had been married for about three years and my husband and I had been uh, crew on luxury yachts, and we had sailed all over the world. We were working, Cause, you know, because he's a sea captain. Because he's a sea captain, of course. Yeah. In a nutshell, we got into a bad business deal that we thought was going to be amazing, and we thought we could trust everyone involved, and it turned out we couldn't, and we lost all of our money again. It was like the third time in my adult life that I lost all my money. We ended up in Colorado with my husband's twin sister kind of licking our wounds and 
And then it turned out I was pregnant with my first child. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, there was a really, really low, my, first, my, my biggest like adult low moment was staring at the ceiling, lying on a futon in my sister-in-law's office in their house in Colorado and just in tears and hormonal and nauseous and and pregnant and I thought oh boy now there's now there are other people in other <laughs> beings implicated other humans <laughs> other humans involved in my my personal disasters so that was a that was a low moment okay so yeah that's not a situation that sounds like fun <laughs> um but there you were and so what did you do like how did you how did you get up off that futon and use your badassness <laughs> to uh to get where you are today again i want to to acknowledge the privilege of a loving family because the one thing my husband and i both said to each other was well at least we know we'll we will never be homeless even if we're just sleeping on someone's futon, you know, with our six kids someday, you know, like uh, we don't have six, we have two, but um, <laughs> we will, uh, we won't be homeless. And yeah. we knew that. And I know that still to this day. I just want to say that it is a privilege to be a part of a community and a family where they were never going to let us go lower than, than that. Um, but practically speaking, I, I was given a job opportunity by a friend and um i went and worked at anthropology okay but yeah. i just want to pause and say this is another one of those moments where you're not giving yourself credit where the gratitude yeah. is awesome like clearly you were a very grateful person and anyone listening to the show knows i talk about that all the time so yay <laughs> pause to acknowledge that you weren't given an opportunity opportunity showed up and you took it and that's a, an important distinction for anyone that wants to ignite your inner badass. Like opportunities come and they go. And the question is, what do you do with that? So you had this opportunity for a job yeah. and you took it. So talk well, more. okay. So you're right. And thank you. I appreciate that. And I think that is a, a good learning moment for anyone listening. I got the job, but it was in fact up to me to dress in a cute outfit, even though I was really nauseous and, you know, walk through the snow to the bus because we didn't have a car. And I cried the entire time. And actually, my husband flagged down a kind stranger who drove me to the bus stop because I couldn't stop <laughs> puking. <laughs> and I went there and I was like, hi, I'm your new pregnant manager. Yay. You know, and I was a manager in training at the, at the time. And then I got promoted a few times. And it was the result of a lot of hard work in the end to get ourselves back on track. I mean, it was a slog those first few weeks to get sure. my very newly pregnant hormonal body used to like walking around the store and be asking people like, can I start a fitting room for you? Right. you know? <laughs> but I think um, another piece of what makes the story remarkable is that that experience ultimately was the seed for Amelia. Yeah. Yes. Um, which is, it as was. I mentioned in the intro, is the business that you started a few months ago. And so maybe this is a great time for you to talk a little bit about that. Um, this last spring, I, I had been still personal styling for people on the side mm -hmm. and realized that that was really what I wanted to be doing. It really was like dominoes. I just, 
felt the calling, honestly. I, I, it was during a meditation and I started seeking out retail spaces and it just all came together so fast. Yeah, I remember you calling me and, or maybe I called you, but regardless, I remember you telling me how like this all just kind of happened and this is similar to when you told me you were getting married. And that-, <laughs> <laughs> that happened quickly too. <laughs> it's another through line of your story and another reason why I, you know, see you as such a badass because these things that happen in life, you can get stuck in regret, you can get stuck in fear, you can get stuck in uh, blame or self-pity and you had the opportunity to get stuck in all of those things. Like it would be totally valid and justifiable for you to be stuck in any of those places. And you're not. These things just kind of happen and you do stuff with them. And that's fucking amazing. And even if like not everything works out, right? Like, but you you get up and you do it and you continue to be grateful and to bring something of value to the world. Before I ask you my final maybe most important question for the audience around advice or things you might tell them I want you to talk a little bit about um what makes Amelia so special well somehow I ended up working in contexts where I was around uh people with a lot of means and privilege and I saw a lot of things that were reserved exclusively for those people and I kept thinking gosh I really wish the rest of us could get like a little bit of this goodness and also, I feel very passionate about service and experience and story. Mm-hmm. And so when I wanted to create a store, I knew that I could never just have like a retail space. I be a, a refuge almost, you know, a safe space for, for women, for the LGBTQ plus community, for uh, for men, too, I do hope to integrate men's clothing at some point. But also, I think it's just the service is kind of a lost art. And, you know, we're used to kind of walking into a store and seeing some distracted teenager, like, on their phone. And um, I... Sorry, teenagers. Sorry, teenagers. <laughs> yeah. um, and I wanted to create something that made people feel good mm-hmm. and feel special. So for me, the whole business is centered around feeling. I think that it's my goal to make what is for a lot of people a really painful experience Mm. uh, feel safe and even joyful. So, of course, I need to ask you, what like one simple thing would you tell listeners today that they can kind of apply to their lives and, and feel fearless? In the past, I needed to go through a a time in my life where I was you know I was all about like carpe diem and risk it all and no safe harbors and say yes to anything and and I think that if any of your listeners are people who are kind of playing it safe or are in their comfort zone and need to kind of push past that Mm -hmm. that's a really great challenge to take on to Mm -hmm. do the things that scare you no matter what for me now my one small thing is being quiet, is meditation, mm-hmm. listening, going inside and, and finding that space inside to listen. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense, interestingly enough, because, you know, you're not an adrenaline junkie where you're just like, you need to like go and do these things because it's, well, I don't know. Actually, as I say that, maybe adrenaline junkies are also trying to outrun 
pain, right? Could be. Because it yeah. seems like some of that was, I, I need to sh- like rock my own cradle. And also I need to kind of not deal with it completely at the same time because it's so much. And so sure. now like you did that and now you're able to be like, okay, but now I need to deal with whatever it is. Not necessarily right. that past loss or grief, but just be present yeah. for stuff. And so that's a really important, I think, um, dichotomy. Yeah, no, no, no. I think you're totally right. And I think that sometimes when people are in the midst of deep grief, they're going to respond one of two ways. They're going to go really deeply inside or they're going to go really (laughs) crazy outside. Or I mean, maybe they'll be somewhere in the middle, but I was not in the middle. I was like, let's be balls out and do all kinds of crazy stuff. And I do. And, you know, I'm sure there was a part of that that was pushing some of the pain away. Mm And I wasn't using drugs or alcohol or uh, maybe a little shopping, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> credit cards aren't free money, kids. <laughs> it took me a while to learn that that advice, lesson. Yeah. But um, I had to learn to sit still and be quiet. I was like, I could rock climb. A, I, could, I could go do all kinds of crazy things. But I really didn't know how to sit still. I didn't know how to be rooted. I didn't know how to find an anchor Mm -hmm. because I was just so used to not having one. I got very good at being a fortress. Mm -hmm. I I didn't know how to be open. I didn't know how to be vulnerable. I had a hard time sharing my feelings. There are a lot of reasons why all those things had a a dark side. All the ways in which I looked like a badass on the outside when I was younger, all those things had, had a little dark part to them where I was avoiding something or, you know, I, I learned a lot and I'm glad I did all those things, but I also am very grateful that I have discovered that there were some experiences that I needed to have in order to bust the gates open because I could have remained an emotional fortress for a very long time. And, and that was, you know, the gift of, of, of my partnership and having children and, um, you know, having to share my life with other people and learn how to compromise and learn how to be vulnerable and learn how to be, to be cultivating a, a rootedness and a commitment Mm -hmm. that I did not really know how to, how to cultivate. Yeah. The one thing that you just really pointed to that I want to highlight is that on the surface, I think a lot of people perceive the concept of being a badass as like being the fortress, mm-hmm. right? Like being balls out and fearless and tough. And it, that's just a piece of it. Mm-hmm. it. It is having the balance between the two, being able to be badass and also just be. Yeah. Right. Yes. It's not yeah. just like the doing it's, it's both of those elements. And I think, yeah. um, again, your story is so, so perfect to be my first guest <laughs> because, <laughs> because it, it contains all of those elements, you know, it's, it's overcoming loss. It's, it's finding what your balance is. It's facing your fears. It's learning how to be quiet. It's Mm -hmm. rising from the ashes, so to speak. It's appreciating and being grateful. It's like all the things I talk about. So I'm again, so thankful that you're here. And I think that's a great one simple thing to share with people. 
you know, we have a tendency to say, oh, if only I was, you know, a millionaire, I'd be a philanthropist and I would just give as much as possible. And I've definitely thought that on mm-hmm. so, so many days. I'm like, oh, I just, just wish I could, you know, be rich so I could give as much as I want to give. And the advice I got was find a way to do what it is that you most feel compelled to do that you feel best and most joyful doing find the littlest way you can do that so like yesterday when I was driving here I paid some tolls for people behind me it made me feel so happy and it's like such a tiny little thing it was a dollar yeah you know or two dollars and it made me feel so good Mm -hmm. and so I've committed myself to giving in whatever small way I can and that always still gives me the like, it gives me the same hit as I yeah. would want from, you know, someday I will be a billionaire yeah. philanthropist. But right now, just, you know, cheers to that someday. <laughs> right now I'm giving in the little ways I can. And I think that that's, that is actually what I want to share with your listeners. Like do find a way to do something that you feel drawn to do that gives you a sense of purpose and passion and feeling that gives you a sense of, yeah, this is the nugget of who I am as a badass person. So Amy, I am so grateful that you were part of this first show. I hope you had fun. I had so much fun. <laughs> and actually I overcame a fear because as a mega introvert, I'm like the idea of actually sitting here and talking at a microphone is kind of terrifying. Yeah. So I can't. I I overcame yet another fear this morning. (laughs) (laughs) So Amy, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I'm so grateful. I'm sure our listeners are grateful and I hope that you guys all listening took away a couple great pieces of advice and some inspiration from Amy's story as to how you can ignite your inner badass. Now, if you want to learn more about Amelia or get in touch with Amy, whether that's to give her a high five for being a total badass or say hello or ask a question about Amelia, uh, you can check her out online at ameliamain.com. That's A-M-E-L-I-A. Maine is in the state, so there's an E on the end of it, <laughs> .com. Uh, or you could email her at helloameliamaine at gmail.com. And we will put this stuff in the show notes. You'll also get her Facebook link and her Instagram profile and so forth. And last but not least, I hope that you will subscribe to this podcast if you've enjoyed it. Tell your friends, leave a review or rating. That's how other people find the podcast. And then join me next week for another episode where we will ignite your inner badass.